another episode of the Last Ones In podcast, where being late to the party isn't a bad thing. I am your host, Jirai Archuleta, and with me today we have E. Hello. Robbie. Hi. And for the second time since almost a year ago, I think, Kenya. Hi. Yeah, the last episode you were on, for people who may not remember, is the uh, This Is The End episode for 420 Month. Yeah, that was fun. Right when the world started to end. (laughs) Yeah, which is like six, <laughs> which is like six months ago, which is totally almost a year ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, it's a halfway point. If you round up, yeah, yeah. If you round up, then it's almost <laughs> yeah, exactly. a year ago. <laughs> so the movie that we are watching this week is "What Dreams May Come," and Robbie will be presenting that episode. Yeah. Um, but before we get to that point, I gotta ask E. Hi. What's going on? Uh, I have actually animated in the past week, and I remembered how much I love animating, so that's nice. Did you not do it for a while? No, because my classes have just been taking my time, but Um. yesterday I was just like, fuck it, animation time, and I animated for six hours. Nice, you got like two seconds. Yeah, you're correct. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) So I did that. That was great. Um, Been messing with the itch bundle I bought way back when. And getting more games done, I played Golf Peaks and Hidden Folk, which is a puzzle game about golfing and Where's Waldo, collect or respectively, not collectively. Collectively, it's both the same thing. Yeah, I would actually love a Where's Waldo golfing game. <laughs> you have to find the ball before <laughs> yeah. you can actually play. <laughs> yeah, uh, you just have a hundred balls in front of you, and only one of them is striped. <laughs> That'd be, that would be awful. That would be a terrible way to have to start a game. <laughs> uh. Other than that, not really anything interesting, nothing out of the ordinary. All right. Uh, Robbie, what's going on with you? Being tired, man. Yeah, uh, you do that a lot. Yeah. You're yeah. good at that. Yeah, it happens whenever you have six-day work weeks. Yeah, you um, should stop. I, I should, but, you know, <laughs> yeah, more capitalism. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> As I said before, if the listeners want to overthrow capitalism, it would do us a favor by letting us record more. God, yeah, yes. If capitalism were just gone, we could have like way more episodes out. Yeah. So, <laughs> just, just, just a saying. <laughs> um, I guess one exciting thing did happen uh, during this week is um, uh, one of my old friends, she, I guess, is going to be doing a post, all right, like a post count for the census. Uh-huh. And so she came into town to do some training and she came by my place to basically just stay the night so that way she'd have a place to stay there. It was the first time I've seen her in like nine years. Jesus Christ. Yeah, the last time I saw her is before I went to Job Corps, or as you guys like to say, jail. No, no, prison. Prison, sorry. Yeah, prison. Yeah. Get it right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I hadn't seen her in like that long, but like part of it is because I was in Utah for a long time, and uh, she was crazy enough like living in a van for a while. The main reason she's actually cool. living in a van is because <laughs> she wanted to go and explore, basically. So like it was very much a choice of hers. To do that, it just it sounds like that's how stories like I just been like living in my van like by my by own will like yeah my parents kicked me out but like I wanted them to kick me out you know anyway can, can I use your shower <laughs> it's been nine years <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, the main part of that though is like I said that that was the first time I seen her in person in over nine years that's insane. and so I got to meet her and her partner and also her van. service dog did you meet the van. No. Oh, man. Really enough, she wasn't driving a van this time around. It was weird. Oh, man. Maybe it's because she's working for the census now. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that seems fair. Yeah. Because of that, like, normally what I've been doing is I've been waking up early so I can try to go to the gym since I'm trying to hold myself accountable to that. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I'll eat dinner and then take a quick nap and then wake up and then wake up and go to work. But since I had company over, I didn't have a chance to do that. So 
I was like periodically taking breaks at work so I can go sleep in my car <laughs> that night. <laughs> so I guess a too long didn't read version of that is a mud monster came to my house and I couldn't sleep. So I had to go to work and then sleep in my car. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. All right. Um, Kimia, we haven't spoken to you in a while. Yeah. Um, how has the end of the world been treating you? Um, it's been okay. Hasn't been too bad. I'm fostering a lot of kittens. Yeah, like 17 of them, I think, now? <laughs> no. I would die. It's actually 27. <laughs> <laughs> no, I fostered total eight. Fuck. I have <laughs> six left. No, five. Five left. That many have died, huh? No. <laughs> just just one. Okay. I'm being serious, though. One did pass away. Oh, oh. no. Did the dog eat it? No. Cancer. I'll kill you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one? I thought about making a Chinese restaurant joke, but that she's on the verge of killing Dryer already, so she may just take it out on me. <laughs> So next week, I might be the only one left. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> because E was the only one smart enough to keep his fucking mouth shut. What a surprise. The guy who holds the cat didn't want to make jokes about cat dying. That's weird. I don't get it. I think I'm pretty much the full-fledged uh, crazy cat lady now. So Nice. Well, I mean, just own it. Get everything cat designed. Just... You don't have to be single to be a crazy cat lady. Just That's saying. true. But it definitely, I think, ramps you up to that point. For sure. It's definitely part of the aesthetics. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we're a bunch of assholes. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> but that's it. I've just been fostering and working. That's pretty much it. Cool. All right. Anyone want to ask uh, ask me anything? No. Uh, yeah, I was, waiting on, <laughs> I was waiting on E to ask how the hostess with the middleist is doing. <laughs> Okay, how's the host with the other? Um, <laughs> I am doing good, I would say. Work has been kicking my butt this week. Uh, besides that, playing been playing a lot of Genshin Impact and uh, Marvel and, um, yeah, watching uh, a lot of horror stuff because to let people in on behind the scenes, we're recording this way before this episode comes out. <laughs> yeah, we're recording this in April. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> yes, yeah, so just, you know, getting into the, the horror feel of it all. It's been great. Yeah, watching the scary godmother and Ed uh, and Eddie's boo-ha-ha. It's funny, actually, you mentioned those crappy movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, on Disney+, Plus. Don't Look Under the Bed is on there. I kind of want to watch that. That scared the crap out of me as a kid. I don't think I've ever heard of that movie. It was creepy as hell. Sounds like a goosebump. No, it was, like, genuinely creepy. They pulled it from networks and stuff because it was too creepy for kids. Is that the one with the skeleton? No, it's like a weird goo monster. It's the Boogeyman. It's literally the Boogeyman. Anyway, I think it's during Christmas too or something. Well, then you can't watch it. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So, Robbie, since you are presenting the episode, uh, take it away. Okay, so we are going to be watching What Dreams May Come, which was a 1998 film starring Robin Williams. Uh, back whenever he was doing more of his like dramatic stuff. Wait, I'm sorry. When was this made? Uh, 1998. Whoa, it's really that old? It's really that old. How, um, how old did you think it was? I thought maybe it was made in the early, mid-2000s. I mean, not far from it. I mean, this this movie is old enough that the special edition DVD that I have of it 
has a DVD-ROM feature that includes a Windows 95 and 98 wallpaper that also works on <laughs> Macintosh desktop. Whoa. Whoa. Let's hook that up. Can't pass that up. I know, right? What a bargain. It's totally why I bought it. <laughs> but who um, all actually has seen it? Because like, I know that, like, for me at least, I kind of realize that this is a movie that not a lot of people have seen because, like, you know... I guess you can say bitches be talking about this movie, but it's just mostly me. I'm bitches. <laughs> I've seen portions of it when it was like on cable every now and again. From aside from like a couple of like trippy visuals, I don't really know what it's about. Okay. And then has E seen it? What a surprise! No. Okay. What? <laughs> yeah, no. And then I know Kimia was excited to watch this too. So ha- have you seen this before, Kimia? Oh fuck yes! <laughs> oh wow. Okay. What is wrong with you guys? We have an expert. This I was born after this amazing. movie was made. Yeah. <laughs> I sometimes forget how young you are. Seven years old. <laughs> he has an impressive beard for a seven-year-old. I can say that uh-huh. much. Yeah. <laughs> you said seven years older. Like, I forget how young you are seven years older than I am. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. We didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, no, it's okay. I just love that movie. It's It's very special to me. Yeah. You'll see why. It's a good movie. It's a really okay. good movie. Okay. It is a very good movie. Um, I will say, too, I'm in the same camp as Kimia. I absolutely love this movie. Uh, I know Robin Williams wasn't exactly, well, he was known for his dramatic work, but this wasn't one of them. But this is probably one of my favorite Robin Williams movies. Like, this and August Rush are probably my favorites that he's done. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I guess since technically Drya and E haven't seen this movie, I guess I'll start with our usual suspect here. Hello. E. What do you think this movie's going to be about? Okay, there is a man played by Robin Robin Williams himself. This man dreams at night. (laughs) And in his dreams, he sees the distant future. And by distant, I meant near and... (laughs) He sees the near and distant future. He sees the near distant future. That is far away and closer than you would expect at the same time. What even? (laughs) And when he sees this, when he wakes up, he's like, huh, that seems familiar. And then deja vu, and this somehow ties into something, and I don't know what. (laughs) (laughs) That is my guess. Okay, so man. You are making it sound so lame. (laughs) I don't know what the movie's about. (laughs) It's just my educated guess. Yeah. From I mean, it's all better the than stuff some... I've heard about this movie. Yeah. It's better than some of the educated guesses I've had while doing this podcast. Let's be honest. <laughs> it's better, probably better than some of that I've had. <laughs> but uh, from the little bits and pieces that you remember, Dryo, what do you think this movie's about? From what I understand, he's kind of like on a hunt for his wife. What is this? The the the, the medieval ages? He's not yeah, hunting. Yeah. He's on a crusade. <laughs> yeah, she went outside um, in a really short skirt. And that's not allowed. People could see her calves. It was like two feet long. <laughs> so he had to go find her. <laughs> um, had to make sure that he brought a stick that was no thicker than his thumb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a really dark joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> and so I think, yeah, he's like, has to find her in his dreams or something? No! In the near distant deeper. future. Well, we'll be getting into that. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, Our guesses are not up to par. Apparently. I guess, yeah. <laughs> We're not guessing good enough. You don't understand how special this movie is to me. I do not. You I haven't seen this movie yet. You guys are all offending me right now. That's, 
Well, that's the name of the game. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that might be actually the name of the podcast. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, there, there has been at least one time that I got super defensive about a movie, and then Drya wanted to get super defensive I about think, a couple of them. No, but he... I think we've all gotten defensive-ish yeah, about yeah. movies. I've gotten defensive about one Except or two. Except Kimio, because Kimio is a rock. Doesn't need to... <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like with a, a good example, like the Rashomon podcast, if you haven't heard... if. The viewer listening hasn't heard that podcast yet. It like basically devolved into like Dry saying like, "Yeah, I don't like it." Well, and then I tried to defend it and be, try just like, "Well, I disagree." And then my response would be something along the lines of like, "Well, fuck you." Yeah, that's basically what <laughs> and that episode I was, was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was just there silently watching us go back and forth and like, "I thought the movie was okay." <laughs> Sometimes you have to tell that to Jariah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. 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 so yeah i just think it's a lot of like i don't know dream stuff i don't really know i guess okay he's looking for his wife i think you got a little bit of it i'll give you that okay there is looking in this movie i I love looking that's one of my four favorite things well i guess another thing i should have said five (laughs) (laughs) that is one thing i can't say all right it, it is a little fun fact towards the beginning this movie uh in 1998 did win the academy award for best visual effects so it is very much a lookers movie what you're saying is we're going to watch this and then immediately be like, this doesn't hold up. <laughs> Maybe. I guess we'll have to see what you think on your fancy upscale so, 4K TV. So this is one of those movies where every time you watch it, you see more details that you've missed. And everything starts to like click and make sense. And it's just amazing. Okay. So okay. I'm probably going to mo- notice something I never noticed before. And I'm going to come back and be like, oh my god. Cool. I guess one thing I should say before we read the back of the box, this movie does deal with a couple of harsh topics, one of them being suicide. It deals with death and suicide quite a bit. Okay. And so I guess in a weird way, if this is a sensitive subject matter for you, it's something to keep in mind if you're going to listen to this podcast. But that being said, let's go ahead and read the back of the box. After Chris Nelson dies in an accident, he tries to remain close to his beautiful mortal wife, Annie. With the friendly spirit assigned to guide him, he begins to adapt to his new state of being in a setting that can only be described as heavenly. When his distraught wife takes her own life, she is banished to an eternal damnation. Chris vows to find her so that they can share eternity together, but no one has ever succeeded in rescuing a soul from such a horrible fate. With the help of his heavenly friends, Chris sets out on the most perilous and harrowing journey of his life, or afterlife, a quest for everlasting love that will take him to hell and back. That is a lot of information given away in the back of the box. Um, So, the back of the box makes it sound really fucking dramatic and lame. It just made (laughs) me think of Dante's Inferno, which kind of made me into it. Yeah, uh, to be fair, that actually was... So, uh, I guess another little fun fact, since I'm saying all the fun facts before we actually (laughs) even get to the movie, is um, this movie was originally a book that was written by Robert Mathis. Okay. And... You may know some of his work, actually, because it's not the only movie that our only movie that was adapted from his work. He also wrote the book Stir of Echoes, and he also wrote the book I Am Legend, <laughs> which I feel like I Am Legend, like after reading that book, I feel like that was a terrible idea to make a movie ap- adaptation off of it. <laughs> but, you know, that's my opinion, at least. <laughs> there are better versions of that movie that don't have Will Smith in them. I'll say that. That being said, like the book is great, but, you know. With one man dealing with the solitude, like it's hard to make a movie adaptation of that. Something like this is much more is much easier to actually make a movie adaptation off. But I will say that Dante's Inferno was actually one of his inspirations for making this movie. Cool. I like Dante's Inferno. Yeah. There better be lots of fucking rivers. Yeah, 
it'll get there. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, also, I should say this movie is actually PG-13, which I'm sure E is going to like just because it's the first non-R-rated movie we've, we've watched in quite some on time. On the podcast. Yeah, on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but it is rated PG-13 for theatric elements involving death, some disturbing images, and language. And the runtime is one hour and 53 minutes. Okay. That's good length. It's a yeah. little long. <laughs> it's not too bad. It's a little short, I might say. E? It's a little long. It's a bit more than an hour. <laughs> so in E time, back it's kind then, of long. Though, back then, movies weren't this long, I don't think. You are correct. Movies were like an yeah. hour. Not an hour, but an hour and a half was the target goal yeah, for a lot of movies. Movies were like 10 minutes long back then. Are we talking about like the 1800s? What's going on? <laughs> We're talking about 1998. He's talking about 1898. <laughs> it was really, it was just a groundbreaking movie at its time. Everything was in black and white and no sound whatsoever. And then yeah, this the train movie... just came right at you <laughs> at a solid 12 frames a second. <laughs> but um, also, it is the usual suspects for where you can watch this. If you want to watch this with us or watch it before you listen to the rest of the podcast, YouTube, Vudu, Google Play, Amazon Prime, all for three ninety nine. However, something that I didn't know, but whenever I was, you know, looking this up just a second ago, I found out that it's also on Peacock TV, which is NBC's new streaming service. And so, a service no one owns. Yeah. I do. Oh. And a service no one important owns. Aw. <laughs> it but, has Psych 2 on it. God damn it. No one even knows that is. Well, they should. It's so good. <laughs> the guy, like, saying stuff, and he's like, psych! And Some, then it ends. Sometimes. Every, every episode just ends as soon as he says psych. That would be really good, actually. <laughs> That'd be a fine something. <laughs> However, though, if you are going to watch it on Peacock, you can watch it for free. All you have to do is you have to make an account with them. So if you're willing to make an account on NBC streaming service, you can watch this movie for free, essentially. Yeah, their streaming service is really good. It has ad options, or if you want to pay, I think it's like 4 or $5 a month, then you just get things without ads. It's actually not a bad streaming service, if yeah. I'm being honest. Hashtag not sponsored. Hashtag not spawn. Hashtag could be sponsored. <laughs> Hashtag NBC isn't listening to us. They're not going to sponsor after what I said. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, I guess with that, I guess it's time for us just to actually go and watch the movie. It's going to be interesting to see what you guys think about it because it's kind of a 50-50 whether at least Dry is going to like it or not. E just usually thinks my movies are okay. <laughs> All right, cool. He's you always, changed it. He's you always on it. your okay. side. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he changed it from me telling everyone that I hated every movie that he showed me. When I, I'm usually like, yeah, that's fine. Or, hey, this is kind of neat. He doesn't absolutely love my movies, so he hates them. <laughs> that's what it feels like to you. <laughs> All right, so we'll be back here in a little bit, guys, with our non-spoiler tanks on what tanks. Tanks. Yep, on our non-spoiler <laughs> <Their> tanks. tanks. <laughs> <laughs> on what Panzers may shoot. <laughs> on what dreams may come. Talk to you in a little bit. And we are back from watching when Where dreams the come Dreams true. Are Wild. <laughs> what Dreams May Come? What Dreams Are Wild Where the Red Ferns Grow. Thank you. That's the name. Yeah. <laughs> when, when Dreams are true when you wish upon a star then you'll know yes. what you are i don't know the lyrics <laughs> to that either actually copyright strike <laughs> <laughs> all right we just got back from watching what dreams may come uh robbie take it away so yeah i guess um i am curious to think about what you and e think about this movie um oh wow just leaving kimi out entirely i mean yeah, how she's rude. seen it before and like she already <laughs> I think she's in the same camp as me. Like, we discussed that earlier. 
We discussed this earlier. <laughs> In private. <laughs> During the intro. So anyways, uh, I guess with like the non-spoilery, I guess I'll start with Drya. What did you think about this movie? That's me. No, it's not the guy behind you. Oh, it's not every time. Give him the mic. Give him the mic. <laughs> I have some mixed feelings about this film. Okay. Uh, I think most of the CG doesn't stand up very well. I think. Can we? I'm sorry. Can we just not listen to what Jariah has to say? All right, my turn. All right, here we go. That's <laughs> quite rude. Because I really no, no. We're I not going to listen. Fair, Twenty-two year old CGI doesn't really hold up, so it's it is just one of those things. Like it, in some ways, it is a product of its time. Yeah, as I was saying. I think most of it doesn't hold up well. I think the first act does when it's like all of the oil paintings or whatever kind of paint it's supposed to be. It seems oily, so I'm going to go with oil paint. That, I think, actually looks pretty good. Uh, It holds up pretty well. It just kind of looks neat. Like, ultimately, the style makes up for its bad quality of CGI, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair, like, with how we watched it, I think some of what we ended up seeing, though, might be a product of getting a 480p DVD and putting it into a 4K Blu-ray player and up, trying to upscale it to 4K. There might be some of that. Yeah, there might be a little bit of that for this. I don't know if Kimia had the same problems we did watching this, but that Probably was definitely... not because I don't think Kimia used a 4K Blu-ray or that upscales. No, no, <laughs> no. no. Uh, but there's also just even on shots that are completely still, still it's just blurry because it's 480p. Yeah. Like there's only so much you can do with it. But Stop like, hating. Yeah, uh, I think Robin Williams was good. He's Robin Williams. He pulls it off pretty well i hated how every scene ended in slow motion i really absolutely hate that and i i what the fuck was the director thinking like is did they do that just to add like 45 seconds to the runtime i don't understand it at all it doesn't add anything to the scene ever it just makes me feel weird i think a lot of the flashbacks come off real corny and cheesy i think some of the plot points that we run into are pretty predictable. I do like the performances for the most part. Like, those are real solid. And I think the third act has some really good moments. The second act is garbage. I didn't like that at all. <laughs> As Kimia You're being glared at right now. so hard not to just yell at me. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're being glared at through oh a computer screen right now. <laughs> Like, she's not even looking at the camera. She's somehow looking at you through the computer screen. (laughs) Yeah, like, the third act was good. I liked performances. I think there were some pieces of the score that were really good, too, actually. But I don't don't think it's a must-watch for me, personally. Like, there's other pieces of media that I think have dealt with these same kind of subject matters in a way that I personally relate to more, and that I can kind of find my own life story in them a little better. So for me, personally... I would say if you're a big Robin Williams fan and you haven't seen all of his movies, which maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't, uh, maybe a rent, but besides that, uh, not worth much, in my opinion. Okay. It's a good thing nobody cares about your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say what Dry says about this. Like, We will disagree sometimes in this podcast, but we will fight for everyone to have their own individual take on the movie and that's his take then except I, for Jiraiya of course yeah I'm the only one that gets shunned for every opinion I have <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fighting that right now I will, I will give you your right to have your opinion on this <laughs> but uh, I guess I'm also curious about E Hi. What, what was your take on this movie I know that uh, 
there are some scenes that kind of hit you a little bit harder than I expected, and I do apologize for that. Uh, so... Wait, you literally hit him? Yeah, <laughs> yes, fucking, I, I was terrible. Punching... He was just beating me yeah, the I was whole just beating time. Him. <laughs> I was telling him that this is all his fault while we were watching the movie. Yeah. Um, so, I think this movie has a really strong first half, I would say. I'm not too big on the second half. However, I also am not into, like, love stories, and I think the second half kind of falls into that. And that's on me. Like, I'm very dissociative with, really, romance in general. I think there's a lot of things in this movie that are a lot sadder than I think the movie intended it to be. But overall, there's a really melancholy feel to this movie that I really appreciate. And I don't really know what else I can say without just spoiling stuff. I think, overall, I'd definitely say it's worth a stream. Okay. Especially if you're not someone who, like, actively goes and watches movies with this kind of uh, subject matter. That's what I was looking for. Okay. So, I think it's definitely worth the stream. Um, Whether or not to own it, I think, really depends how the stream impacts you. Stream with a possible buy at the end. Yeah, that's that's my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Do not stream with Peacock. That no? thing sucks. Damn. <laughs> Did you did you like scour for your DVD copy after that to see if you could find it? Hell no! I rented it for four bucks. <laughs> Goddamn fucking peacock! And I guess uh, Kimia. I know you said you had some strong opinions about this movie beforehand. Uh, what are some of your non-spoilery thoughts on it? And uh, if you had to give it a buy, rent, stream, or pass, uh, what would you give it? Buy, definitely a buy. I love this movie, but I also come at it in a... I'm kind of biased towards it because this movie was there for me like at a time when I was a, was really young and it, I'm like a teenager and I you know, used to watch movies to distract myself from pains of life. So I was watching that and it just, you know, touched... It just touched a part of me that still loves it. I mean, it's been like 10 years or something... And I still love it. It's a really good movie. Okay. 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 Oh, and and the and the the shit Jirai likes to complain about that adds to the movie and the tone of the movie. <laughs> stuff is bad. The stuff is bad adds to the tone. It does. She's saying, "Fight me, Jiraiya. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I just want to fight someone. So don't take this personally, yeah. Jiraiya. This movie puts her in the mood to fight. Yeah, I still hate you. So. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I was worried. She's, she's looking to throw some hands, and you look like you have a catcher's mitt. <laughs> that was really stupid. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> and uh, for me, yeah, um, actually with Kimi on this, I really do love this movie. Like I said, it's one of my favorite Robin Williams movies, like this one and uh, uh, August Rush. Because, well, it, But with August Rush, it makes more sense for most people because they know that I'm a sucker for movies that deal with music. But this one, it, I feel like visually, it's very stylistically done in a very beautiful way. It has yes. some very high highs and some very low lows, and it, I feel like it treats them very well. And it has a story that I really do appreciate. And so for me, this is definitely, well, considering I own the movie, it's <laughs> very much a buy for me. Considering uh, as soon as I saw a copy on DVD, I bought it right away without even looking for a Blu-ray, cause, or a Blu-ray copy, because it just, I wanted to have the movie, because... It is, uh, for me, a very touching movie. Like, I really did enjoy it, and it's something that kind of sticks with me, after, even after I watch it. So it is a very easy buy for me, too. Cool, cool. 
All right. Well, I guess in order to really talk about things that we want to talk about in this movie, we got to spoil a bunch of stuff. So if you haven't watched it yet uh, and you are interested, go check it out. Not if, on Peacock, apparently. Apparently yeah. not on Peacock. <laughs> um, no, but, not on Peacock, unless you want to make your TV so loud. Like we had to, t- like we had to turn up the volume to like eighty, and it was I still couldn't hear it. So honestly, switched- that might be a problem of the movie because I also had to turn my sound system up way high. Yeah, like I didn't have to do that when I was on Amazon Prime. Weird, but yeah, for us, what happened? Because uh, I just have like this straight up DVD copy of it. There is you can get it on Blu-ray if you were to look it up on Amazon or somewhere else or wherever your local video store is. You could possibly find it on Blu-ray. Uh, it's definitely on Blu-ray if you want to buy it off of Amazon or some other site. But um, yeah, when you pop the movie in, like everything sounded fine until we got to the actual movie and the talking was really quiet, like all the way through. But uh, it like we had to turn it up and then we once we got up to a certain volume, it sounded fine. And then when it got back to the DVD menu, it just like blew up his sound spe- <laughs> or his sound system. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Like, it made Dry a jump. <laughs> Although, to be fair, that could have been the because of the DVD menu that we selected. You're right. Yeah. We did choose... So, yeah, I actually do want to mention this real quick. <laughs> on the menu, the first thing you're given to make any decision is it's a circle thing on there. And on the left of the screen, there's an angel. On the right of the screen, there is just a demon or fire. I forget. It, it's yeah. a fire. Yeah. And you can choose up or down. So, if you choose down, you go to the hell menu, which is all of the hell music and everything is on fire. Awesome. And then, <laughs> and if you go up, then you get the nice, like, orchestral heaven music, and everything's really nice. But yeah, we chose the hell menu because, of course, we I did. I might steal that I from you. <laughs> I don't even know if it was really deliberate choice on your, because you were having a lot of trouble to figure out how to navigate yeah, a lot of that. Yeah, because, like, why would they put the angel on the left, and then hell Shariah. on the right, and then have the options up and down? It's dumb. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's that's honestly early DVD for you, like. I guess for people who don't have uh, any back or not background, for any people who didn't exist, <laughs> for any people who have uh, any experience in like early DVDs, like early two thousands DVDs, like they did what they could, like make the menus more fancy, and every now and then you'd have a disc with like Easter eggs on it, and they'd have like different menu Sometimes choices. they had flash games on them, which is honestly yeah. kind of cool. Um, yeah, DVD was weird, man. So yeah, uh, one of the DVDs that I had, I don't have it anymore. I have no idea what happened to it, but um, Ballistics X versus Sever. Oh, yeah. Remember that movie? I do. Uh, on the DVD of that, there's a rock, pa- uh, rock paper, scissors game. <laughs> I, I shit you not. There is a rock, paper, scissors game where, like, you choose, like, a punch, a kick, or a throw or something like that. And, like, you make them fight by choosing the rock, paper, scissors with a menu. And so after dumb. three, whoever wins three choices wins. Like, that was their Flash game. Then they can choose to play the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and only if you win can you watch the movie. <laughs> but yeah, this isn't the DVD menu podcast. Maybe it should be. <laughs> <laughs> but as a little non sequitur, it reminded me of that. Like, early DVDs were interesting, to say the least. Yeah. Kind of like early Blu-rays. Early Blu-rays had some weird, yeah. weird things. Uh, it had some weird early adopter uh, features to it. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. But let's uh, head on over to the spoilers. We will be right back with that goodness in just a moment for you guys. And we are back with all the spoiler talk. So I guess with like the first really quick or little 60 second synopsis is what we call it, even though it usually takes longer. Yeah. A good synopsis for this movie would be a man and a woman meet each other while they were young and they hit it off right away and they get married and they have kids and kind of build a happy life together. 
and then eventually that life is torn away from them whenever their children die in a car accident. It kind of shows them trying to rebuild their life afterwards. During that time, the wife asks the husband to grab something for her because she renews art, which is yeah one of those things that I found out more details of because I'm a nerd later on in, the, in life. Um, but she asks him to bring some paintings to her gallery for her. And on the way to pick up those paintings for her, he also gets in a car wreck and dies, kind of leaving her on her own. When he gets to the afterlife, he finds that the afterlife is, in his own perfect sense of heaven, is a painting that she made for him. And he ends up getting guided through one of his old mentors through the afterlife to show him what heaven is supposed to be like, and what the afterlife is supposed to be like, where he meets his children again and meets like the people who he lost throughout his entire life. And then during this time, his wife ends up committing suicide, and he finds out that because she committed suicide in in a form of self-punishment that she goes to her own special form of hell that he can't get to. But because he sees her as his soulmate, he can't accept this, and he decides to go after her through a very visually—well, it does have some flaws, I'll give dry that, but through a very visually— creative way of going down into the depths of hell to find her he ends up finding her and more or less kind of apologizing for all of his flaws and in a weird way through giving up actually gets her back and then at the end of the movie very quickly what are those flaws (laughs) um for me the ones that where it really started to stand out was when uh, the main character christy i guess it's just chris it's chris but i think she calls him christy as like a uh, as like a well, nickname towards him. Thing. Okay. Yeah. When he like finally realizes that his son is Cuba Gooding Jr. And he's like, no, son, you don't have to do that. Before he does that, behind them, there's just really, really bad green screen. Like really, yeah. really bad. So on Dry's TV, the green screen that they used for the hell scene, it's very obvious. Yeah. But I think that so... also comes. <laughs> I think that comes from. It's annoying. <laughs> I think that comes this from. from 19. 19- 98, bro. Like, that's what I was saying. To be fair, like, the CGI technology is 22 years old for this. It is. But you know what's not old? Fucking just use more matte paintings. It worked <laughs> real great in the first act. Just do more of that. <laughs> not everything in the act can be a matte painting. To, to be fair, though, I feel like if you have a lower quality uh, TV like you're meant to, you wouldn't notice that. Like it, you're I meant to? What that. does that mean? <laughs> like the technology <laughs> at the time! Yeah, yeah. exactly! We're watching a DVD copy of this movie. Yeah, yeah you can I, say that, but like, if you go back and look at Psycho, it still looks fucking amazing. Did you buy a DVD copy of Psycho that gets upscaled by your upscaler? I do have a DVD yeah. copy of Psycho. Have you tried it? Let no, me ask I'm... you something about the original Psycho. That scene where he's falling down the stairs, how does that look in 4K? Well, it... Does it look like he's really falling downstairs? Well, no, it looks very silly no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> so it's flawed. You're well, agreeing that Psycho is a flawed, horrible movie yep, because so of that Psycho scene. is bad. I never said this movie is horrible because of the CGI. It's CGI just happens to be horrible. Also, it's dated. I'll say it's dated. I feel like if you're not an artist, you can't really appreciate this movie. Because... <laughs> Okay, no. gatekeeper. <laughs> <laughs> no, like an artist, like if you've done art, if you know how to use art, oil paint and stuff like that, if you don't really, you're not familiar with it, you can't really appreciate it. And the vibrant colors. Did anyone notice the vibrant colors? I mean, yeah. Yes. That's yeah, the that's, first, that's the entire first act. That's what I'm saying. The first act looked great. No, also in the other acts. And that the, the color that would stand out was like blue-purplish. Like, yeah, it just looked like bad gray. To be fair... <laughs> I will say this, though, like, 
if they actually did, uh, re- like, I'm pretty sure the Blu-ray copy does look better. Right. And if they actually did remaster it in 4K with HDR, I'm pretty sure this movie would look amazing. Yeah, Especially the heaven scenes. Like, the heaven scenes would look amazing. I think the, that- in 4K, the uh, the bad CG would stand up more, because that's just kind of what 4K does. Yeah. Even good CG looks worse when it wasn't meant to be seen in 4K. Right. And this wasn't meant to be seen in 4K. It was meant to be seen in standard 480p, so. But, on the does- other hand, it was shot in film. You can yes. see the film grain on it. You can see the film specs on it. So I imagine it would, the film portions of it would scale up to 4K quite well. Which, that is another fun fact. I, I would say the first fun fact, but I said a bunch of fun facts earlier. <laughs> um, what I thought was interesting is this is one of the very few films that was shot in uh, Fuji Velvia. Weird. Is that a country? No. Uh, no. RV, <laughs> R, RVM film stock. Velvia is a type of film that's used most frequently for still photography and for landscapes and other subjects because it has a very high color saturation. Yeah, so it has really high contrast and stuff like yes. that, which would lend itself to 4K and HDR yeah. much more. It's saying that's very rarely employed for cinematography, but only whenever special effects are required, like for the matte paintings that you saw, where the colors just pop really vibrantly. Right, that part looks great. Yeah. But Act 2, when they're like going through and like trying before they get on the elevator to help, that just... that inarguably just doesn't look good and it's okay that it doesn't look good but it just doesn't look good i mean it's hell and like the part yes, another thing that, you, this, this is your eyes hell just bad yes bad bad <laughs> green screen yeah. is my hell yeah <laughs> then it did its job um but like even in the background like some of the fire just doesn't move sometimes and then like the guards behind them just stop moving whenever they stop going towards them like it's just it, it took you out of the immersion, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it did. Yeah. It really but, did. See, my problem is that you don't watch this movie to get, like, satisfied by the, 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 the graphics. It's the meaning of the movie that you're going for. Sure, you can say that, but everything in a piece of media has to coalesce into something that makes it better. A thing can still be good and make you feel something and still have elements or portions of it that are bad. I personally really love Clerks. It's my favorite movie. I say it all the time. You know what? They could have used some more takes. There's some real bad line reads in that. But, like, it doesn't mean the movie's bad. It just means there are bad aspects to the movie. Okay. So do you like the movie? This one? Yeah. It's okay. Oh, man. <laughs> you you are still being glared at like through you. a computer screen. <laughs> 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 I'm just, I'm just biased, okay? Just tell me to shut up. Everybody's biased. Yeah. That's kind of the point of this. Yeah. Where were we with the synopsis? It was... Okay, so he saves uh, Anne. So yeah, he goes wife. down to hell to save his wife and like ends up basically giving up or, as, a way, or, as a way of like, you know, reconnecting with his wife because... Being with his wife in hell is better than being alone in heaven for him. Kind of has like this, uh, sometimes whenever you lose, you still win kind of mentality. And it has this moment wherever they're in heaven and it, for an, an undisclosed amount of time because they have this very much like uh, time doesn't flow the same as it would for as it does on Earth. And then they um, they talk about reincarnation because reincarnation is also a key point in this movie and about how they want to be go back to Earth and like how their kids will still be waiting for them in heaven and they'll be gone for just a minute, basically while they go and relive their lives uh, and hopefully a better life for each other. The second time through on earth. And she asks him like, well, how will you find me? And he says, well, I found you in hell. Like what makes you think I won't find you in Jersey. Yeah, then has yeah. this nice little scene wherever they're kids and they meet each other again and uh, has a 
basically retelling of the same story where he says, like he said at the very beginning of the movie, when I was young, I found this girl by the lake. Which, I have questions about that. Are they aware that they're the same people? No, probably not. But I think the whole idea is it's meant to say that uh, soulmates will always find each other in a weird way. Yeah. Like, so it doesn't, it, fate yeah, it doesn't matter yeah. if they have their old memories together. It just matters their connection to, to each other. Right. So what happens when they get to heaven? Will they then remember that they've lived more lives? Yeah. Probably. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's what uh, well, with the, the se- doctor, the shrink. Yeah. The seeker said. is what they right. were calling him. He was saying that he lived our multiple lives and because he asks him, like, what, what did you do in your old life? It's like, well, the last life that I was in, I was a child psychologist. So it kind of hints at that, you know, once you go to the afterlife and you spent long enough there, you probably remember all your reincarnated pasts. Another thing that brought, came to mind with the reincarnation is it seems dangerous to choose reincarnation because couldn't you, in theory, do something terrible? And end up in hell? Yeah. Yeah, that, I feel like that's always a possibility, but that's kind of just the idea of choice, though. There's always, you have to, or whenever you have the choice to do something, there's always the chance that something's going to go wrong, but you still take that chance. Yeah. And then uh, here's As long the, as you feel like it's worth it. And I think for them, for them to spend a life together and grow old together, like what they really wanted, like it was worth that chance. Yeah. And then here's another thing is, I don't like how the film conforms to the narrative of Suicide Bad. Um, they did I'm gonna say, say that it was I just a big don't like mix. the ending either. <laughs> I'm gonna say that I have I, some theories about the ending. Okay, the ending of the movie kind of is, is a proponent of suicide. It's kind of like if you do this, you're gonna end up happy. I don't think it's saying suicide is bad. I don't. So I'm gonna say I think their depiction of hell after suicide is 100 percent more terrifying than actual hell in that movie. Yeah. The idea of emptiness constantly. You never get what you want. And, like, they they try to, quote-unquote, cherry... What? Sugarcoat it. It's gonna say cherry coat. <laughs> They're, they, quote-unquote, sugarcoat it by saying, like, it's the person self-inflicting it, basically. But it honestly sounds way more terrifying than the actual hell in this movie. Yeah, it does. Um, I have some theories about the ending also, but I want to wait until we talk about more of the movie before yes. Kimia yells at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen. Stop. You've awakened the no. beast. Try to be strong. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, they. So it ends, and they're like, reincarnation. I, I guess this movie has, like, all of religion. I think probably to be more inclusive, it's kind of this hodgepodge of all religions instead of strictly Christianity, which I think is kind of bold for 1998. Yeah. Yeah. But the part that's not bold is how the kids disguises are like, let's be somebody of another ethnicity. He'll never find us then. I don't think that's what the point of them being that like, yeah, no. So, so yeah, both the kids actually go into great detail why they chose the people that they chose. Right. But as somebody who was looking at like the writer's perspective, I have, there's a lot of things the writer does in this that I did not like at all. But like, well, the, or like the casting person's like, all right, the only way they're not going to guess that it's the person's kid, make him black. They're never going to guess that the white kid's the black guy now. I mean, it wasn't that as much. He says whenever he's in hell why oh, he chose him. Oh, I know him. why he chose him, but, okay. but you're, you're bringing it down to color. Yeah, because yeah. that's... To be fair, 1998. Yeah, like, that. I'm looking at it from like a writer's perspective or like a casting person's perspective. Of, like, well, how's the audience going to perceive this? Okay, if you're going to pick on anything, could you at least pick on what he said, that Asian women are full of grace and something? Yeah, that's like, kind also of... Also, he just said that to his daughter real weird. Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, that's, that, was, that was a 
most I was like, huh. <laughs> so I'm going to say, when I was talking about how like a lot of hearts are sadder than I think the movie intended, the children becoming these, like, even after death, they can't escape the ideals that their father put onto them. I think that's really depressing, quite frankly, especially the son, who even after death feels like he can't live up to his father's expectations unless he becomes this one man he felt his father respected. Yeah, I guess I didn't see it from that way. I mean, that was so, the whole reason why he chose that guy. Yeah, no, I know, that. I know that, but like, I didn't see it as like a sad thing. Like, I, I mean, didn't see it very sad at all. Different perspectives. Wow. Like, right. I, grew I thought up it was in like a, corny. I think. I mean, I grew up in a household. I felt a similar way, so that's probably why I can like be like, "All right, that's really depressing." Yeah, and I just grew well, up in a household where my parents. I gotta tell you, E, you ruined it for me. You put oh, the sorry. biggest hole in the plot. Holy <laughs> shit! <laughs> oh. I think this movie is just kind of what you are. You take what you get from it. Like from what I'm seeing now, I feel like everyone is taking different messages here and there from this movie. I mean, also the black man becoming a white man kind of <laughs> yeah. kind of messed up in my opinion too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to look beyond race, okay? <laughs> but they don't. Yeah, the writer didn't. <laughs> also, Not even the, the black man did. He's like, you, you didn't expect me because I was like, uh, you know, I was a black man. Yeah. Um, also, I just think it's really funny that. Whenever the writer was trying to write something horribly tragic that could happen to family members, the only deaths he could think of were car accidents. Like, I, just, I have a picture of, like, a writer in a writing room, and he's just like, all right, kids die, they both die in a car accident together, the husband has to die, how does the husband doctor die? He, uh, he's driving home, and he, uh, car crash! That's it! Yes! Ha <laughs> Yeah, but his was more like a Final Destination car crash. Yeah, that was fate, <laughs> just saying, like, okay, you gotta die, guy. Just God throwing a baseball, only the baseball's a car. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> because maybe they said car crash because they needed it to be the most, like, it has to be, like, out of nowhere. Like, unsuspecting something, the most mundane thing you can do, and you you get your family taken away from you. Have him fall in the shower and crack his head. That would be That's way, way more mundane. Yeah, but how many people do that? A lot, actually. Way more than people die in car crashes, I think. Well, not way more, no, but... Car no, crashes are pretty no. high yeah. up there. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I remember whenever I had to do the Alive at 25 courses, because I had to do that in order to get my license. Sweet. Yeah. Um, they One thing that they actually did say is that uh, for people under the age of 25, car crashes is the third most common way for them to die. Right next to homicide and suicide. So short of his kids killing themselves or being killed by someone else, like that was the most common way that they could have actually died in the surprise manner. But also, I think part of it had to do with them having similarities, because that's one thing that they actually did say a lot whenever in the later half of the film with the flashbacks is that the kids died uh, because she asked one of her friends to drive her kids to school because she was busy with her work. And then she asked her husband to drive and pick up some stuff for her for work. And then he died in a very similar way. And so because they're so similar and they're both are on a whim that she asked them to do something for her, that she, she blames herself. Yeah, that she found a way to blame herself because they're both yeah. so similar survivor's guilt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But she tried to kill herself the first time too. So yeah. like, it's just, I don't know. It just seems lazy on the writer's part. That's my problem with it. It um, just seems lazy. Or it's part. mental illness. <laughs> yeah, or maybe the writer could just think of like another way for someone to die unexpectedly. That's a meteorite. All. No, just another way. And That's then out it. of nowhere, know, like, washing machine. <laughs> like fucking just anything. Like you're a writer. Just literally think of anything that someone dies unexpectedly. I don't really like envision. There's many ways that don't come off as slightly silly. That one was silly. 
That one was real silly. The cars literally flew that. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> to be, Dry is right about that. There were like three cars flipping in that scene. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> I did say, like, it's a final destination scene. <laughs> what's wrong? What's wrong with cars flipping? It was just real dramatic. This but whole movie is very dramatic. Flipped, you would have found another reason to hate on them. Like, oh, the car crash scene wasn't cool enough. That's more no, rocky, I think. That's, that's definitely a rocky <laughs> thought. <laughs> I like things to be real mellow. Um, I'm just going to get into the ending here. Yeah, all right. uh, I think the entire movie is uh, through the perspective of having him given up, and there is no happy ending. That is a possibility. I'm gonna, I thought I felt like that's where the movie should have went, personally. Like, even just thinking about like the memories that it picks and chooses, and like even his reactions to when his kids are alive, like he feels real distant and he feels like he doesn't know what he's doing whenever he's like in all the scenes where he's like alive. He doesn't feel like he's really alive. And I thought that was really weird at the beginning of the movie. I was like, he just seems distant. So like, this is obviously like a dream or a memory or something. Right. And he's like trying to figure something out. And then like when it was like, Oh, that was actually reality. That's weird. Why he seems so distant to them. Like he just, it seems like the ending is he like gave up himself to go and be with his wife. And, the moment whenever he starts to lose himself is just us seeing all of that. Not, he's, he's really just in hell still, is my, my thoughts. <laughs> I think that kind of shows the kind of media that me and you, uh, I, I can see that, but I think that kind of shows like the kind of media that me and you tend to consume. Yeah, yeah. I just, it doesn't make sense that the happy ending just happens. Like, it doesn't feel like it fits the movie at all. Even the alternative ending is still a weird happy ending. Yeah, and even when it's trying not to be. Yeah, we watched the alternative ending because that was on the uh, special features there. It's worse. It's way worse <laughs> than the regular ending, which I didn't like the regular ending either. But it basically like explains that, like, hey, we went and picked soulmates because uh, your mom feels guilty and she doesn't want to feel guilty for all eternity for killing herself. So she's going to go do it again, but she's going to go and be in Sri Lanka and coming down with a terrible disease when she's a teenager. And you're going to be a guy from Philly that comes to Sri Lanka when you're 20 and you fall in love and then she dies and you're alone for 40 years. Well, nothing's perfect. That is that is pretty much the alternate ending. Yeah. And then you get to watch them both be born and have a side by side shot with their babies looking at each other. And it's really, really lame. <laughs> the regular ending is somehow better than the alternate ending. And I didn't even like the regular ending. There really is just the one act that I enjoyed in this movie. And it was once he like gets to hell and starts talking to his wife. Like, that's the only thing that affected me emotionally in any way at all. And, like, again, yeah. that's perspectives. Yeah. I mean, it kind of, uh, that one hit me, too, but I think it's, uh, once again, with the media that we consume, because one thing that I didn't put two and two together until watching it this time around was, uh, I don't know if you remember that game Shadow of the Damned or not. I do, yeah. I love that game. Yeah. Remember the ending of that one? It's yeah. very similar to what that scene is, because, like, with the ending of that game is uh, basically um, you're in hell with her, and, like, there's darkness that just kind of... Uh, there's a darkness in the game that like actually consumes you and like it'll actually kill you if you stay in it too long and like you're holding her in hell telling her like i'm uh, like i'm here with you like don't like don't worry everything's gonna be okay and you just like watch the darkness like consume them sl- or slowly and then kind of goes into another weird non sequitur ending about how <clears throat> he's gonna have to fight for her for basically all all of eternity yep yep which is like honestly like with how scenes transition from one to another there's not like a oh, hey, here's this scene, and then here's the next scene, and this all makes sense. Like, they all feel like set pieces or very distant memories from him. And so it just feels like this whole time we're just seeing him blow through different memories and him trying to to find himself and, like, remain aware of everything. 
but it really does just in my at least in my mind this is the ending that i'm accepting yeah, in my this, head this is, is that, your canonical ending yeah is that he he was lost in hell and he's just still there with his wife and neither of them know anything about each other or what's going on and they're just trying to make sense of it in their own heads and we're seeing that from him like that's that's, is, that's the ending i choose yeah. <laughs> i mean there is that possibility of that too but i think that with him like staying there with her i think it's one of those he was I think it's trying to show that he was always kind of distant with his family and that he wasn't there whenever he should have been because uh, are he was trying to hide from father, himself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause he was trying to hide from himself. And then that was the first time that he decided that he was going to stop running away from his feelings. But, yeah. But then there was, there's that line that they always go as uh, sometimes when you win, you lose. Yeah. And they keep saying that until the end when the wife is like, sometimes when you lose, you win. And so like in my head, it's like, Oh, like him losing is like him getting to pretend like everything's okay. When it's not. It, it, it's very a Repo Man ending, the way that you're saying it that way. Yeah, like, I don't know. <laughs> That's just, seems like a way better ending to me. So I'm taking that one. <laughs> taking that one to the bank. So you're just making up your own ending. Yep, I don't you're like just, theirs. You're I'm a fanfic writer own. at this point, really. <laughs> it's kind of like how me and Rocky really like the, um, Fair, really like Pandorum, them. because we have our own canonical endings for it. Yeah, basically. Man, I cannot remember the name of that movie ever. <laughs> but you thought it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, what are some things that uh, Kimia really connect you to this movie? Because you have a huge emotional attachment to it. Um, so I don't know how much you guys are aware of like my personal experiences, but I lost my mom in 2016. So I've I've kind of been through that pain and loss, and the idea of the movie that one day you can somehow reunite with the people you love and might not be the way they looked or the way they seemed or the way that you remembered them, but that you'd be reunited at some point was very touching, I would say. But this is kind of like later in life um, that that's what the movie became for me when I was a teenager. It was more like a, it was also touching because I mean, it was a touch. It's a touching. Maybe it's because I'm a girl. I don't know. I feel like I'm being outnumbered by boys. Okay. That's what this podcast is. I mean, I actually do agree with you. I do feel like this is a very touching movie. So I, I, I don't know. I just really liked the movie. And then later in life, after my mom passed away, it kind of put on a different meaning. It adopted much, a new face, basically. Yeah, a much more important meaning. So that's why I protect the movie so much, Jaria. You, you are allowed to protect whatever you want. <laughs> no, I just want to. I just want to let you know because it's nothing personal. I don't want you to think I'm targeting you. Or well, everything I say me. is it pointedly attacking you. So, no. <laughs> oh, cool! I, so the gloves are going to come off. <laughs> Fisticuffs. <laughs> but no, no. Everything that I say about this movie is about this movie and about the people that created it. it has nothing to do against how other people feel about it. I might disagree with how they felt about it, but that it's it's you have you're your own brain. You can do whatever you want. I think it kind of goes with like the whole like of freedom of expression and freedom of speech kind of thing, which yeah. you're free and allowed to have your own opinions about something and people are allowed to disagree with you on it. Yeah. And there's a lot of that with this podcast with the going back and forth, which like some movies that we like to very fiercely defend. I think one good example even for Jiraiya is uh me and E weren't too keen on um The Greatest Showman. And Dry absolutely loved that movie. Yeah, it's fun. But Ew. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> now you know how you can attack him back. <laughs> I have an extremely vibrant taste in films, is how I'm going to say it. 
Uh, and there are a lot of films that are not deep at all that I really love. <laughs> like Clerks. I, I actually think Clerks is quite deep. Eh. Yeah, it's uh, at, at a 20-something age, it's real good. <laughs> fair, fair. I mean, don't get me wrong. I actually do love the Clerks movies, too. But Jariah, <laughs> um, do you like um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? I absolutely love it. Have you done this for this podcast? Yeah, uh, we yeah. actually have. I did it in February. Oh. I know. Um, okay. Sorry. Spoiler for that. I'm not. I wasn't too keen on it. <gasps> that entire month, E wasn't keen on. No. Yeah. The worst was <laughs> blue. Was it Blue Valentine? The last kiss. Yeah. Was the, the last worst. kiss is the one that him and Drya got into it. The yeah, we did. The last kiss. The last kiss was. It's the one where the guy cheats on his wife and then continues to cheat on his wife, and then you're supposed to feel bad for him at the end. That's not what happens at all. <laughs> no, 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 no. He cheats on his wife and then feels bad about it and then right. tries to weasel his way back into being his, uh, being married with her at the end. Yeah. Kind of what know. happens, but still not really what happens. But okay. That's what happens. All right. I'm really curious. Can we see what Rocky thinks? Of this movie? I, I mean, if he wants to come on and say what he thinks of it, then yeah, I, I'm okay with he's it. He's up for giving his opinion real quick. Are you sure? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm keeping that yelling. Come here for a sec. <laughs> Josh, can you come here? I have a quick question. <laughs> what do you think about the movie? It's good. I like it a lot. One to ten. said it's good he likes it a lot he gives it an eight thank yeah. you babe! that's a very rocky answer yeah yeah, yeah that is a rocky answer <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um i guess another little fun fact about it too rocky liked it yeah, <laughs> yeah rocky liked it um uh what dreams may come is actually taken from the uh, from the play hamlet which i'm pretty sure some people just knew automatically but i'd argue most movies are taken from hamlet there's a lot of things that are taken <laughs> from shakespeare in general but um Wait, Huh? Really? Yeah. Um, I had no idea. Don't know the actual, uh, I think it's like chapter three, verse one or something like that. Whenever he's given the to be or not to be speech, the actual line that the line or that the title of the movie is taken from is born the sleep of death, death, what dreams may come when we have shoved off this mortal coil, must we give pause? But yeah, there's that. And once again, like something that dry was somewhat happy for, which is why he liked the third act as much as he did, even though he, didn't really like the hell scene, just uh, in particular the scene with the boat, mm-hmm. uh, is a lot of the hell stuff is actually taken from Dante's Inferno. Our, I, I liked the yeah. visual parts of it. Yeah. I think like, what happens in the story is lame, but... <laughs> yeah, the, uh, did, it, river. did it remind anyone else of like Greek, Greek mythology? I mean, Dante's Inferno is inspired a lot by... Greek mythology. Yeah, it I, it literally well, was just I, like I've never complete. seen that movie. So. No, no, like no, no, it's no. a uh, big ass book. Yeah, it's a um, gigantic poem. So yeah, oh. uh, Dante's Divine Comedy is what it's called. There is uh, Inferno, um, Purgatorio, and per, uh, Paradiso. I mm-hmm. think is what it, they are. And it's basically uh, it was a an epic poem is what they called it that was cut into three parts and it was written between 1308 and 1321. It was around the times that he wrote it. So old, old. And uh, a lot of artist renditions, even today, are based off of uh, what he did for all the different, uh, for hell, purgatory, and heaven. Yeah, like yeah. the entire circles of hell thing, like that comes straight from there. Mm-hmm. But also, circles of hell? Yeah, the, the nine, nine circles of hell. Yeah. Uh, that comes from Dante's Inferno. I don't know what that is. 
It's nine circles of hell. <laughs> yeah, and it's each one is given to certain class of sin, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What it was is uh, Dante had a lot of enemies in his day. And Sins have classes? In his hell? In his, yeah, yeah, in his hell they did. For Dante's Inferno, what happened is, I guess, uh, the actual Dante, the one who wrote the poems, he had a lot of enemies, and he kind of thought of ways to, that he'd want them to be tortured. And through that way, he made the different uh, circles of hell of, like, you know, uh, the deeper down, or the further down you go into the uh, circles of hell, like, the worse the punishments get. And each one kind of goes with, like, a... Kind of goes inside with like a seven deadly sin, but not all of them are seven deadly sins. Like I can't remember all of them, but I the know like the inside and is. the outside are not. The outside's like uh, you just didn't believe in the right stuff. <laughs> yeah, you got the wrong god. Sorry, pal. That. And then the inside's <laughs> literally the devil. But uh, with the Greek thing, uh, it's definitely inspired by. I, I always forget who it is, but there's a Greek story about a man who goes to t- get his wife out of the underworld. But fails because he looks be- he looks back too early. I always forget who it is. Uh, they, I think they put it in the Bible as well. I don't remember. I'd be kind of rude. That to say sounds they put it in the pretty Bible. close to Dante's Inferno. Because <laughs> well, it was way earlier than Dante's Inferno. Because yeah. maybe Greek, he based obviously. a little bit off that. Because that's what it is. Is like Achilles? he's uh, was it? I, I, I'm. It's I'm been not. a while since I've taken Greek mythology. I'm not familiar with the story. It sounds cool. No, Hercules never goes into the. I guess if you're curious, like you can. Keep this in or take it out if you want to. Uh, the nine circles of hell, according to Dante, is the first one is limbo. So basically like where you're judged for your sins. Uh, then there's lust, gluttony, greed, anger, heresy, violence, fraud, and treachery. And treachery is like this basically or the final circle where basically the devil resides. And everyone who or everyone else who is in treachery is just frozen in place in ice, including the devil. Wait, I thought hell's supposed to be fire. Not the no, not no. the first, not the inner circle. That one's for, like because the thing with the devil is everyone's super scared of him, but he's actually frozen because he keeps panicking and flapping his wings, which keeps him eternally frozen. Is this like a set of stories that someone made? In the uh, it's an epic yes. poem, so it is basically just like a very long story. I would be shocked okay. if Rocky doesn't have a copy of this. He probably does. I've just never heard of it. Yeah, Rocky would ask Rocky, Rocky would about it. He'll go into like some weird tote he keeps under the floorboards and give a copy to you or something. <laughs> it'll, it'll be right next to his HP Lovecraft collection. It sounds like a biker gang. <laughs> Dante's. I think there is one called Dante's Inferno. Hell's probably. Angels. Hell's Angels. Yeah. Close. Close. <laughs> oh yeah, you know every single biker gang. You know that this definitely. Yeah, yeah. Knows. I know all the affiliations. He <laughs> he knows them. Personally. I own a leather jacket. <laughs> but this isn't Dante's <laughs> podcast. This is Chris's podcast. <laughs> I just I like that. I have a leather jacket, therefore I know all of the biker yeah, gangs. That's how it works. <laughs> <clears throat> but anyways, yeah. off that uh, little non sequitur about Dante's Inferno, it was like I said, loosely based off of Dante's Inferno. With that one, when it came to at least the hellscape, like you can see that for whenever they're sailing into hell and there's like all of the people who are, are grab their boat and flip it over. Right. And I think visually that looks really cool and it's a haunting visual, but have it be as like, just can't lose your mind. And then they tip the boat over. It's just, it's lame. I don't know. It just feels like it has no impact. <laughs> I also don't really know what don't lose your mind in that context means. Right. Yeah. I think it's kind of just like, don't let the void uh, consume you in a weird way. So like, it's one of those, if you kind of like, don't give up a fight, like whenever you lose your mind, like you kind of give up the fight and you just become one of them. Kind of like almost being stuck in a state of panic. Also, why wrecked ships? Why wrecked ships? Did you guys see that ship named 
Cerberus? Uh, Cerberus was actually, uh, in Greek mythology, was a three-headed hellhound that helped uh, protect the entrance of hell. And this one, it's a ship because River that connects it somehow. But also, it's like a Titanic-ass ship. Yeah, I don't understand that part. That's <laughs> yeah, a weird modernization. Ships? So with that one, um, the hell scenes were actually shot are on a decrepit, rusted hull of an Exus-class aircraft carrier. So, like, they just happen to have access to, like, an old rusted-out aircraft carrier. Okay. Cool. And that like, scene. We gotta use this, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's something I would do for sure. <laughs> it's like, whoa, there's, like, a bunch of just metal. Let's put that in the movie. <laughs> but, yeah, there's that, and, like, all of it was shot behind a blue screen, which is very obvious for that scene. Especially, yep. like, whenever he's realizing that the man who has been guiding him uh, through the afterlife is actually his son. But but what about all the scenes where he's talking to his children and how it's it's coming back now, like parallels of the same stuff they I, I don't know I think that was beautiful shit, dude. No, I agree with you. Like those are very beautiful shots and they are very beautiful moments whenever he's reconnecting with them in are uh, in his heaven. In his heaven, those are really great. But like even in the hell. No, in hell <laughs> it looks bad. And when he's talking to okay, Cuba Gooding Jr. in hell, like it just. They look like they're not even on the same plane of existence. Like, the background and the front are not even lit in the same way. It just looks bad. It's supposed to be hell. That doesn't mean it's supposed to look bad. <laughs> That's exactly what it means. You can have hell and have hell look good. Heaven looks good. It's supposed to look good. It's heaven. No. If hell looks like bad green screen or bad blue screen, then I need to start praying right now. <laughs> yes. Robbie, um, Robbie, do you know anything about that scene where he's like, Papa? And there's a there's a got head coming out of the ground. That's so like I think uh, like I don't have any fun facts on that one, but I remember hearing about that before. And what that was is uh, kind of seeing his father in hell. And I think that's kind of part of the don't or uh, don't or uh, don't get lost within yourself there of like that was almost like a weird temptation of himself to get lost is by seeing his father in hell, not being able to understand or deal with uh, his father, like doing something bad enough to deserve that fate. Kind of like, because it didn't work with his father, he did walk away from that, but whenever he sees his wife uh, amongst the faces, he does run towards her, and then that causes him oh, to fall. Oh, so yeah. Hell was trying to hijack his... Yeah, attention. Hell was trying to consume him. Yeah, well, maybe his father was actually there, who knows? That'd be really funny, but <laughs> it I is don't think so. That is possible, too. Like, maybe his father actually was in Hell. No, because like, he even says, like, I'm not doing that, and he's like, yeah, nobody ever gets tempted by that. Oh, like, whatever well, gets tempted by their father, maybe. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> also, I like a like it's apparently a really common occurrence, though. Yeah, I know, like that. <laughs> well, might as well give it a good try. Yeah, <laughs> I gave it the old college try. <laughs> this is not a very good day. There was one thing that did make me <laughs> chuckle about that scene, but I think it's kind of you're supposed to in a weird way. Is like whenever it uh, they go to that floor where there's all those faces that are stuck, kind of in like cemented into the ground, uh, and you can hear them talking. There's one extra in particular that I could hear him say, oh, today's not a very good day. Yeah, that part's really funny. That part did make me laugh. (laughs) Yeah, that made me laugh really funny. It's great. It's so like, (laughs) it's just amazing. Like, oh, man, you'll get your day someday. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Someday. So we're going to encase, right, we're going to encase you in our concrete and then we're going to throw you out into the ocean. How does that sound? Well, that doesn't sound good at all. Like, that's the kind of reaction that he had right there. I've had better days. Yeah, I've definitely <laughs> had better days than this. <laughs> Mondays, am I right, faces? Yeah. I don't know. 
I feel like the hell scene fits really well with the rest of the movie. I really do. Thematically, really it fits crappy. great. Yeah. I think it's a I think it's inter- one of those if this movie was remade today with better CGI, Dry would probably be more okay with the movie. Yeah, like I have no problems with the themes of it or the idea that they're there. It is literally just it looks like garbage. It looks bad. Which I guess another little fact, which I don't know if it's a fun fact because of this, but uh I don't know if there ever will be like a 4K remaster of this movie. One of the uh, facts that I have on here is that uh, I guess the original prints of the film were actually stored in a video vault at Universal Studios, and that back lot caught on fire June 1st, 2008. So yeah. the original copy of this movie is just gone. Yeah, there's never going to be a remaster then. Yeah, the, oh, the, huh, best you, how nice. the best you can get is the Blu-ray remaster, which I don't know how good it is because I have just like the normal-ass DVD because I couldn't find a Blu-ray copy. I mean, it will look clearer. Even even okay. just looking at still shots, like it's it looks real blurry because 480. Yeah, like the 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 1080p will look much better. I was gonna say like uh, stretching from 480p to the 4K because Dry's TV has the uh, anti-aliasing to try to make it look sharper mm-hmm. on there. There are some scenes that just do not work when you're trying to upscale it by 10 times, basically. Yeah, because uh, some of the scenes were. Like, they could work if they were trying to make it blurry, but you can tell they weren't trying to make it blurry. It was just the anti-aliasing of the program not being able to fit everything in there and just making some educated guesses, and the educated right. guesses weren't that great. The yeah. faces were the worst, because they would get, like, distorted. Yeah, they get weirdly hell. distorted. Yeah, but, like, that's that's the stuff that's on my technology. Yes, that's yeah. That's fault. not me complaining <laughs> yeah. about the movie's visuals. I'm but complaining the about your setup. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, we'll, we'll no longer be watching Blu-rays or DVDs on that player. <laughs> Good. But uh, if you were to ask Dry about the slow-mo in this movie, though... It's bad. It's stupid. It sucks. It doesn't add anything to <laughs> yeah, any I don't, of the film. I don't, yes, it does. What does it add? It adds processing time. <laughs> that's dumb! No! <laughs> no, it's not dumb at all. I mean... In contrast to that, though, think of uh, whenever we watch Doctor Sleep. You were saying a lot of those scenes are just kind of extended, where it was just the uh, kind of giving you a sense yeah, of like absorb so everything. Yeah, so just leave the scene two seconds longer. Don't put slow mo on it. Just don't. Uh, they clearly just cut scenes out early, and they needed to make time. Like it's it's so bad. It doesn't look good. They do it every fucking scene. <laughs> it sucks. Like it doesn't add emotional depth to anything. It just makes me get distracted by. Okay, here's another five seconds of slow mo, I guess, because another scene's gonna happen. It's really dumb. You know what, Taraya? I feel like you couldn't get the message of this movie. <laughs> How does slow mo change the message of this movie? <laughs> <laughs> it's to tell you that you need to take a second and slow down your life, and also reverse it slightly because you still need a little more time. <laughs> and what seems pointless actually has a point. On another note, do you guys think Robin Williams knew about everything that's going on with? Um, Jeffrey Epstein and everything, and then he killed himself early on so that he wouldn't have to deal with this. Uh, no, I think he was just depressed. No. Yeah, I think that frankly. he was a tortured soul, honestly. Like, uh, there are a lot of people saying that he was the kind of person that he did what he could to make people laugh and to make people smile because he knew what it meant to feel like he was worthless. And so he did what he could to make, like, if he had the power to make someone feel happy, even if it was for just a second. He would do that because he knew what it was like to, you know, sit in the silence and kind of let the void overtake him. And eventually it it got to him like it. Dude was horribly depressed. Yeah, he was horribly depressed. Like, I won't say this like as if I knew him. This is what I've read up on him. And like, it is sad that he passed. And that that is actually one of those things. I wasn't sure if I should say this, but um, that one scene, whenever his son being Albert says, last time you saw me, I was 63 and stretched out or uh, stretched out in the cardiac ward. 
who wants to be 63 throughout eternity? And uh, Robin Williams is 63 whenever he died. I mean, it's a weird coincidence. Yeah, sure. that, I was going to say that one is uh, correlation, not causation. Yeah, like there's no way he was like, well, I got to kill myself sometime. When did that movie say? All right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, another, another non sequitur and a happier one of something like that, that is also another one of uh, correlation and not causation, but a lot of people try to read between the lines with it, is that uh, J.R.R. Tolkien actually died in 1973, and a lot of people put meaning behind that because three rings for the elves uh, were, yeah, three rings for the elves, seven rings for the doors, and nine rings for the uh, for the uh, for the men who are doomed to die, and then one ring to rule them all. Wow! And now Dry is glaring at me. <laughs> I like my favorite part is that you're like, wow. oh, what's the one? Oh, the one ring to rule them all for sure. <laughs> Dry just looking at me like, God damn it, God fucking damn it. Hey, it's really hard not to read into that. That's pretty fucking cool. I think that's one of the things about people in general, though, and why there's a lot of uh, conspiracy theory is like one of the things, and it's people go into it because it's what made us evolve. Is that People are really good at reading into patterns, and it's helped us to get this far. Yeah, we're really good at reading into patterns, so much so that we can't function if something doesn't make sense. Yeah. So we force things to make sense. So yeah, because, we force a pattern because it makes sense to us in yeah, our little lizard brains. It, if things just happen, we don't understand how things just happen, and so we make purpose behind it. And it's really dumb. <laughs> like how we believe in God? Yes. I think for some people have a hard time. Like, I think some people just have a really hard time with the idea that the universe is just chaotic and things happen for no reason. Yeah, which Especially, is everything. Yeah. All of it happens for no reason. <laughs> it's fine. Have you guys read biocentrism? No. So you're speaking another language. <laughs> Look into that book. Is that the one where, oh, I thought it was the theory where, or not theory, but the idea we should devolve back into monkeys. <laughs> What? It's like it's what? like a it's like a reject modern modernity and embrace tradition kind of idea, but like all the way back, like we didn't have these issues when we were just <laughs> back in. Because like, we were stuff. monkeys, we got to get back to that. That was simpler times. <laughs> um, I feel like we had much more problems back then than now. No, no, we didn't have to deal with technology. Yeah, or but your jobs. brains were small too, so you didn't think about them. <laughs> no, but seriously, look into biocentrism. Yeah. Okay. So, I have been incredibly negative on this movie. I do want to praise the things that I liked about it. That The oil paintings? The oil paintings look really, yeah. really fucking good. That entire, like, his introduction to the world of everything being oil, when he smashes the flower and has that magical moment of realizing, like, everything's oil paint. Like, that part is really good. And all of, I like all of the heaven until it's not oil painting. Because then it just looks like bland heaven to me. But when it's all oil painting, it looks really great and interesting yeah. i'm honestly really sad they kind of stepped away from the oil painting even in his heaven yeah it was really annoying when uh his son was like hey check this shit out and it's like bam boring real life i was like yeah. oh come I on i wasn't i was so relieved you know why because that shit was messy that's, <laughs> that's the all point I think about. <laughs> it's painting <laughs> I, I like, oh my god, how long does it take to take that out of the coat? <laughs> I mean, if you're in heaven, it's instant. But, like, he ends up in this weird half-hybrid of both, and I don't yeah. like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I it was just more interesting and less boring when it was oil painting. Yeah, and and it's they just were able to use Earth. matte paintings and make it look way better, too. Yeah. And, like, wish that it's, more matte paintings were used in the rest of this movie. Yeah, it, it kind of does, like, it hides the... Um, it hides the limited amount of technology that's in are in it. 
Right, like if they use more matte paintings for hell scenes, like in that hellscape with the bad blue screen, yeah. <laughs> then I think honestly, if they use more matte paintings and blended it in with everything and blended the bad CG style to it, it would have worked. Uh, like, in a weird stylistic way, and it's not gonna help this movie now. Like maybe if they try to remaster it, they could try this. But um, that thing that they do are like you know those um pictures online of like try to name one thing in this photo and like everything looks somewhat familiar, but it, it looks but you can't tell what it is. To say, like, which is supposed to um, give people early signs of, like, this is what the world looks like around you whenever you're having a stroke. No idea what you're talking about. Keep going. Uh, just, just, yeah, you can't say, recognize you, a single thing in the photo except yeah. everything looks It looks, looks familiar, familiar, but you can't recognize anything. No yeah. idea. Yeah, Keep going. I, I'll show you a picture of it later. But, yeah, like, it's one of those pictures, and it's meant to, like, show, like, whether you're having a stroke or not. In a weird way, they could have hid, like, then again, this probably wasn't a philosophy back in 1998 when this movie was made. But, like, hiding parts of hell that way to where, like kind of blurring it together in a way to where it looks familiar but you can't tell what it is like that probably would have made that scene more visually appealing more so than just like the fire of everything well, funnily enough they kind of do that for the heaven part with the blurs yeah they kind of do, do that that's what i'm saying they could have used like that kind of philosophy for the hell but once again this is the limited technology of 1998 so yeah it's just i don't know so There's... i think that's one reason why i'm super forgiving about like the bad green screen effects in hell or like how whenever he's having that realization it and it tries to make the fire bigger, but what they really did is they just zoomed in on the scene. Yeah. And so it looks really blur, like really blurry fire in the background on a bad green screen. But once again, in 2020, we have really good green screen technology compared to 1998 green screens. But then like you think about the visuals of like the deep, dark pits of depression that the wife is in after she's killed herself. And it's a literal pit in yeah. a decrepit old house that is unrecognizable. Like that's so perfect yeah. for what it's trying to convey. And it does it in a really great way. And they just don't do that anywhere in Act 2, I don't think. Maybe with the literal river part, because that's just where river yeah. sticks, you can very easily depict that. But, like, yeah, it's just, it feels like there were definitely parts of this movie to where they gave a fuck, and then there were parts where they didn't. I don't think it's they didn't give a fuck. I think it's a matter of, like, at limited the time, by the technology. A bit limited in, like, okay, this would be neat to do, and just the technology wasn't there exactly. Which, that is one thing that you did say during one of the Heaven scenes, too, where there was, like, people floating around in that library. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you were saying, that uh, the Harry Potter movies need this much magic. Right, because Harry Potter just doesn't feel magical to me. Yeah. It feels but, really boring. But this, apparently, like, with the Heaven scenes, did feel magical to you. It did, yeah. Because yeah. it depicts, like, this free-floating, like, mystical feeling. Yeah. And Harry Potter just feels like a bunch of kids who don't know how to read. Yeah. But with that one, like, uh, I know with, like, the Heaven scene, when they when he goes to his daughter's Heaven, he says it's more of, like, a centralized feeling of what Heaven's supposed to be like, so that's why there's more people there. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that one, like, I did like how they had kind of, like, the floating city of Babylon in the background. Yeah, and everybody like, has to chip in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which it did, like, it's, it was really nice, like, just a lot of the visual scenes, especially in Heaven, which I think it's just literally that one scene in Hell that you didn't like. Yeah, that's literally it. It just looks bad, though. Yeah. <laughs> but everything else, like, around, it's... It's like almost just like fa- if you look at this really giant painting and there's just like just one part in the center that looked like shit, but everything around it looked great. Kind of, yeah. Like I like a lot of the a lot of the visuals in hell, but I don't like bad green screen. It's, yeah. It looks bad. Yeah. It looks like I don't know. It looks like bad they had green, $10, green screen. They had ten dollars to make it work. <laughs> it's kind of that old effect of like a like old school three D where they would literally like take doubles of the film and like cut pieces out of it and just like glue uh or glue those pieces out so are they pop that way it popped out on the film yeah yeah i do actually uh, agree with you uh i think probably one of my favorite scenes is probably that scene whenever he's talking to his wife that are down in hell it's very it's very morose 
yeah. with all of it, but it is it is done very well. And I guess that actually is another little fun fact about this is uh, the woman who plays his wife, Annabelle, or Annabella, I am not going to be able to pronounce her last name. <laughs> Give E a shot. <laughs> Annabella yeah. Sciorra? Let me Maybe. try. I'm not sure. That's all good. It kind of looks shot, Italian. Yeah. Uh, Annabella Sciorra. So Sciorra. I wasn't sure, like, I didn't want to accidentally butcher it, but... Uh, initially, she had no desire to actually appear in the film, and they were thinking about Michelle Pfeiffer and Mer- Meryl Streep were also oh, a possible- Meryl Streep would have sucked. <laughs> What's wrong? We're Agreed. Al- <laughs> were also were possible roles for her, but uh, she ended up actually taking the role, uh, even though she felt like it was going to be too intense or too sad. Uh, after having a read through with Robin Williams, which I'm guessing the read through is probably either that scene or the scene wherever she's in the mental hospital after her attempted suicide in there and she realized like maybe she really did want to you remember like the live or i guess for the whole meryl streep thing you remember the live remake of 101 dalmatians no i didn't watch that i've never seen anything with meryl streep i can assure you well god damn it (laughs) it doesn't matter (laughs) yeah like she thought that the movie would be too intense and sad but after doing a read through with robin williams which in my opinion i think he did a phenomenal job with this movie yeah he did Um, robin williams yeah him uh cuba gooding jr and I disagree about Cuba Gooding Jr., but that's just, I think he did well. I uh, I have poor opinions about the man. And uh, even though it's a very short role in the film, it's still a very important one. Max von Sydow? Glasses man? <laughs> yeah, the, the tracker. Mm-hmm. I think he did a very good job, too. He was good. But he had that very stereotypical wise old man feeling throughout the whole thing, and he portrayed it very, very well. And like I think all three of them did a very good job, along with uh, Annabella Sciorra. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I will say for that last scene, the color use is amazing. How she's just stuck in this very gray world, and then very skin toned Robin Williams comes in to break her out. Yes, it he is, is a really the bright good... spot of the entire thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's one thing with like the very um, color saturated palette of this movie is like uh, most of the scenes with Robin Williams, like his blue eyes pop. Very yeah, I, it mm-hmm. really feels like they did something to him to do that. but It I, almost does, but I think it's just the way that they actually did the color grading with the film. Yeah, he has very bright blue yeah. eyes. Mm-hmm. Actually, honestly, I've just... The color in this movie is amazing, period. Like, mm-hmm. every use of color is amazing. And like, even in the painting, it is really impressive how well you can just spot Robin Williams in a painting. Yeah. In the heaven painting, I should say. Like... <laughs> Because there's so much color and so much vibrancy, you'd think you'd get lost in it, but it's easy to pick him out at any point. And it's just really good. And I really am sad that they don't do a lot more with the painting after the first uh, act, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like that was going into the second act whenever he was was being introduced to his own personal heaven. Yeah. Again, like when he cuts the hole out of the painting, I'm sad because that immediately... A lot of it has to do with my just dislike of people thinking that realism is the pinnacle of art, because I think <laughs> it really goes into that, even if they weren't intending for that message. I think it really does go into that. Like, you have this very vibrant and, like, almost abstract world, but apparently the better is just real-ass life, <laughs> and I just am sad about that. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't like that that change. Um, I did have a question, E. There was one point in the movie, and you can choose to not talk about it if yeah. you want, where you did uh, break down quite a bit, and you had to take a break from watching it. Um, what scene was that specifically that made you feel that way? So I will. So on record, on podcast record, I am okay with saying I broke down, but um, it was just the talk of suicide. 
quite frankly, because that is just a big subject for me. Um, It's just hearing the son talk about the mother, what she went through, and just the how terrible, apparently, like, because it just really reflects on her, I'd say, the movie tries makes it, and it's just hard, because, like, I already was sad prior to that, because it is a very down first act, mm-hmm. purposely so, but just getting into that and just listening, and it's, it's insane, because I can't tell you a single line that was said during that time. It just hit me really hard, and that's just because that's too. That's just real for me. Okay, it's kind of hard to really say. I'll say like I needed. It was a matter of I got out of it because I just needed to face myself at that point. And okay, it's just one of. I don't really have like a specific to say about it. Really, it was just the feelings and emotions behind it overwhelmed me. Okay. I, I can see that. Yeah. I, I completely understand that. Um, I won't go into details for obvious reasons, but it is a, a subject matter that hit me very personally too. And I think that's one reason why this movie is important to me too, whether it had to deal with personal feelings or people who I have lost or people who I know who have actually survived suicide attempts that I, were important to me in my life or people who didn't survive their attempts on it and uh it, it is a touchy subject and i do completely understand it but i feel like it is also it's hard to talk about but it's also important to talk about sometimes yeah, too well, like quite frankly i'm just gonna say like movies with suicide do just stick with me a lot more just because it's a personal subject and that's true with anyone like yeah, usually and I things that you that. relate to stick with more like that's a big reason why I love a silent voice so much. Cause I think it does a really good job at explaining the reasoning behind suicide and just like the impacts in everything surrounding it. Yeah. It just yeah. hit me. I don't really have a specific thing about it that hit me. It just hit me. No, I, I completely understand that. All right. Oh, I was going to say it is a movie like whether you do enjoy it or not, it does deal with some very sensitive subject matter, which is, I think, part of the reason why I, I felt like I had to say, like, that little viewer discretion advised of, like, this does deal with heavy subjects, and in a lot of ways, it doesn't pull punches. And with them not pulling those punches, I feel like in a weird way, they give either a religious view or possibly the writer's personal views on some very sensitive subjects. And whether you agree with them or not, it's just a part of the movie. And because we're talking about it, it's a part of the conversation now. Yeah. I was going to, yeah, if we don't have anything else to say, I guess we should talk about final thoughts, which uh, I guess for the way that I'm reading the room, we'll start on the low end and try to bring uh, bring it up. <laughs> Drya. Oh, I thought we were going with Kimia for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, because everyone knows Kimia hated this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and she's going to beat me and Dry to a bloody pulp after this for talking about it and making her watch it. Can't wait for the All Ed and Eddie podcast after the... <laughs> unfortunate demise of the other co-host i'm not that violent how do you Normally. guys know i'm so violent <laughs> so drea any final thoughts final ratings yeah i think visually there are a few things that the movie does really well like i said the first act and the final act i think that it takes uh a very difficult emotional situation 
uh, and is able to visualize it with heaven when he first goes in with the oil painting um, style. And then in hell when she is in a literal pit in the house uh, and then just the gray, the gray tones to everything and the general feeling of that entire scene, I think, fits really well with what the movie is trying to do. My own opinion of what I think the ending actually is aside, I think the ending of the film is a little bit too cheddar cheese for me. Uh, just way too happy, and it doesn't fit what the rest of the film is going for at all. I don't, this is a very biased opinion, but I don't mm-hmm. like how the movie fits into your kind of normative religious views, I guess, of suicide always bad, and like, here is a sin, and this is what this is, and it's kind of presenting those things as as fact. Uh, I think it doesn't help the situation of suicide, and I think it for me personally, depicts a very horrible opinion of religion when it starts to say that kind of stuff in the movie. Um, but the performances, for the most part, I think are good. Robin Williams, the Annabella Scoria. Scoria? Annabella Scoria. Yeah, Scoria. Yeah, Annabella Scoria. Um, I think she does a really good job, and she's able to depict a lot of emotions that, honestly, Robin Williams isn't able to depict. I think he's really great at the sad stuff and the really happy, but I think... Annabelle Scoria is really good at all the in-between stuff and the transitions between that. And she is the brightest light of this entire film. I don't think the kids do great. They do fine. They do kid stuff. Yeah, they're, they're children actors in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, I've never liked Cuba Gooding Jr. at all. Like, I just think he's a bad actor. And then recently from our last live show, learning about some of his uh, recent actions made me uh, not be able to devote any emotion to him in this movie. There are some things that I like about the movie, but ultimately I just don't think most of it hit me emotionally at all until the very end. And that is a lot of personal opinions and life experiences, I think, that would lead to certain parts hitting you in different ways. And for me, the first two acts just didn't do it. Uh, for people that don't know, I don't really have a huge familial bond with most people. So a lot of it just kind of swept away from me. It just didn't, it didn't, nothing connected. It wasn't until that final scene with the suicide and the uh, depression and the bond between the wife and the husband that that stuff started to kind of kind of connect for me a little bit but ultimately it's not something that I think I'll ever watch again there are some things I'll probably remember from it and maybe think about and enjoy uh, from time to time like the matte painting yeah but it's just not something that I would even personally want in my collection I would probably give it like a 6.5 okay and then I guess E so I will. I have been a bit quiet about this movie. Yeah. I will admit, um, but I do quite enjoy this movie, and there are a lot of things that were really nice about this movie. I love the use of the matte paintings. I love just the colors in general. Um, I'm not like super. I don't really know a bunch of actors, but Robin Williams <laughs> definitely gives a really good performance in this movie. I I stick by my original statement i think the first half is a lot stronger than the second half of this movie but similar to drya but just in the reverse i think that's because (laughs) i don't have the romantic bonds to people that others do so i can't really relate to robin williams's lost love like i could to robin williams lost family but there there's a lot to love about this movie i think and don't I don't think I can watch it again, but that's a personal thing. Don't know if I think it tackles the subject matter as well as I 
think others do, but it's kind of hard to really fault the movie for that. I only think it goes, I think it teeters a little bit into a bad view about suicide, one that's kind of manipulative. I would agree. I think that's more of the time rather than the movie itself. But honestly, I do ultimately think I would give this an eight. And uh, Kimia, your final thoughts? Um, I love the movie. I love the way they used color. It kind of the, the message that it gave me was to, I don't know. To me, it was like that that life is full of color, and you have to not take it for granted. Especially when you become a parent, you need to not be. Uh, you need to be close with your children. You shouldn't be like, you know, like the way the parent was, the way the dad was so hard on the kid and all the kid wanted to do was impress him. And like, there's a lot in this movie that I relate to. I kind of saw my saw myself as a little girl, like a daddy, daddy's little girl. She kind of looks like, like you. No, she doesn't. <laughs> he only says that because the way you wear your hair. Especially that scene where she's like, I saw my dad something look at this woman with awe or something and i wanted to be just like her i definitely felt that i kind of understand the woman too like if i had a husband i loved and i had kids and they died i would probably kill myself too and i would blame myself too i don't know i love this movie the the cgi stuff doesn't bother me and i would probably give it a 9.5 okay okay and robbie so for me, once again, I do also love this movie. I do want to read the book at some point in time, but I've literally never found a copy of this book. Like, I think I'd probably have to either get a digital copy or an audible copy. But apparently there are some significant differences between the film and the movie, mostly dealing with the afterlife, because there was a lot of research done about this movie when it came to the afterlife. And one thing I did forget to say, which was supposed to be a very important topic, but I forgot, was um, apparently uh, with the whole thing with the afterlife, uh, with the... Uh, there being kind of a special place in hell for people who commit suicide actually had to deal with the actual research facility of people who have survived uh, near death experiences. And apparently uh, some ideals of the afterlife of people who survive suicide attempts are actually more terrifying than people who have died of like, are almost died of natural causes. And so that's where he kind of got the idea of it. And in a weird way, he wanted to write this to get away from horror, but in a weird way kind of made a more as, I can speak English. Existentially uh, terrifying view of the afterlife in a weird way, making get horror in a different light. But between that, I feel like the acting was done very, very well in this movie. The visuals, especially for its time, were incredible, especially with like, you know, uh, the scenes for heaven and some of the scenes for hell minus the ship with the bad green screen that's there. But there's a lot of visuals that are done there. And for a lot of movies that I give a lot of a high ratings for is it's a movie that made me think, especially when it came to things like the afterlife and like personal heavens and personal hells and like what could happen after we die and the whole philosophy behind that, which apparently the book also did a very good job of um, depicting the afterlife based off different religious views and kind of combining them all together into like this hodgepodge of like, what is our, you know, what is the afterlife for you kind of thing. And it's reasons like that, why I love it. And it's way of tackling even once again, apparently the book does it a little bit differently when it comes to like tackling some of the harsher views of, uh, you know, depression and suicide and dealing with uh, tragic events like that. And but it is all in all a movie that I love. Like it, it is 
I think it's done well, at least in my personal opinion. But this is a movie that ultimately did flop in the uh, box office because, and I think it might have to do with the fact that it didn't hit everyone the way that they maybe intended for it to. But it was also a very expensive movie. In 1998 money, it was $90 million to make this movie. And the box office was $75 million. Jesus Christ, that's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so it may also be because of how expensive it was, but I feel like there's a... For everything they do wrong, I feel like they do at least 10 things right with this movie. And I'm willing to look past some of those, you know, small flaws for that reason. And Exactly. <laughs> It's one reason why it's one of my favorite Robin Williams movies, and I'd say this is very easily like a 9 out of 10 for me. Maybe even a 9.5. Exactly. So you don't watch this movie for the CGI. You watch it for the meaning. I'm not watching it for the CGI. I'm saying the CGI didn't help it at all, and the meaning didn't hit me. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah, because you couldn't relate to it any other way than that, and, you know, when the couple thing happened. Well, it's yeah, also one of those things, like counting, on the, counting on the critic, because this was a very mixed movie for critics during its time, too. So this movie is not going to emotionally hit everybody the same way. For some people, it'll be emotionally opening. Some people, it'll be an emotional sucker punch. For some people, they may not feel anything at all, but that's just the personal views of that person. And that's okay. Like, I feel like it's okay for someone to have their own opinion on that even though we fight all the goddamn time about whether so much like Wait, a movie or not i i know i like to pick on Jiraiya, but Jiraiya, you know me i'm not like upset or anything like that what just... stop pun- <laughs> no you know that stop punching him then <laughs> <laughs> i do think the ending was kind of cheddar cheesy but i am so fucking grateful for that because it for everything they put me through i needed it i needed a good, happy fucking yeah, ending. Yeah, and I think for me, too, like, with the ending of it, I think it's kind of, in a weird way for me, at least, and once again, I guess with the book, like, in the book, apparently, she wasn't meant to, the whole reincarnation thing happened because she wasn't meant to spend eternity in hell, but because that's the way that Judo-Christianism, Christianity is, they put that put it that way in the movie. But it, I guess in the book, she was supposed to spend 24 years in hell, and then because uh, she her soul wasn't ready for heaven yet, she had to be reincarnated, and so he followed her to followed her into hell and then followed her back into reincarnation in the book because he just that sounds so much better yeah i mean i don't i'm not super big on the reincarnation in this movie in general but that's probably my general dislike of the concept of fate anyhow yeah and this movie does deal a lot like the whole soulmates thing deals very heavily with fate fate and destiny yeah which i feel like is like when when i'm talking about just movies in general i feel like that's a very overused trope whether it's a movie like this or whether it's a superhero movie or an action movie, or uh, even a lot of fantasy movies, too, because there's a lot of You're the Chosen One for oh, a lot for of sure fantasy, fantasy movies. Yeah. And I feel like that is very overused. But the fact that they had a connection, even in his death, through her paintings, and that he could kind of sense her state in real life, in that, I don't know, I thought that no, was... I think that part's cool. Yeah. I just don't think the reincarnation fate part is cool but that's just me yeah that's just my general but like souls attract each other and they're <laughs> bound to like kind of like meet each other wherever they go like well, that's that's, like... that's one of the things we have to differ on is i just don't believe that yeah <laughs> i don't believe in souls and... so <laughs> and once again like i said this movie's How not gonna dare you? this movie will emotionally hit everyone the same way <laughs> But oh, that, yeah. that is one reason why I wanted to uh, show you guys this movie. Like, I kind of walked into it kind of thinking maybe you might hate it, but I was okay with that because I just wanted to get, like, 
I wanted to get in a different differing ideas about the movie, considering, like I said, this movie is a very mixed bag when it comes to critics for that same reason. I was going to say, didn't you, when you first started doing the podcast, I told you, if you ever do what, what dreams may come, you need to have me on the podcast. Is that why you asked me to come on? Uh, I don't know. You just like the movie a lot. And Rocky keeps saying how much you like the movie. And then Robbie <laughs> keeps mentioning that he wanted to do the movie like all year. He's been talking about wanting to do the movie. There's a couple movies. This is definitely one of them that I was like, we have to do this movie. We have to do this movie. Ah! Well, thank you for asking me. Yeah. Thank you guys for actually just giving this movie a chance. Yeah, of course. Yep. Kimia, thanks for coming along. I think between us all, I think it got a good, good rating. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. course. It's always a pleasure whenever you're on. And then E, yeah. if they want to get a hold of us, whether to talk about philosophy <laughs> or tell us that our political opinions are opinions wrong, are wrong <laughs> where can they do that? We have a Twitter and a Facebook. The last one's in and the last one's in podcast. Uh, we have an email that you can email us. The last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is the last ones in podcast at gmail.com. Send us your favorite painting. Ooh, yeah, Ooh that. That would, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love that. <laughs> Anyways, thank you everybody for listening. If you're going to go out there and protest, please do so safely. Wear a mask, get, or use hand sanitizer, get tested. If not, stay home, stay alone, stay alive, and just be safe. Don't die. All right. How much am I getting paid for this episode? As, as much, much as we as are. <laughs> <laughs> we were right on that yep. drive. <laughs> uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, everybody, for being on. We will see you again. Three more movies this month. Uh, they'll all be sort of familial related in some weird way, shape, or another. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, if there's not a meeting behind the connection of the movies, we'll find a goddamn Oh, reason. we're going to give it one. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Talk to you again next week. Have a great one. Peace out. Later. Hasta. Bye. Check, check. One, two, one, two. Check, check. Three, four, five. Testing, testing. Eight, nine, ten. <laughs> what the fuck, you guys? No, because I was going to say that, too, because it's a usual suspect, but there's also the new Peacock. Yeah, it's on there. Watch it on your cock. Yep. And then pee on it. Huh. Hey, I was recording. <laughs> oh, shit, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I swear to God, I think Rocky's been watching porn on my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> That's going in the end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was doing something with the entertainment center, right? I think so, yeah. Or like a pizza box. I was on the floor. <laughs> I remember being on the floor. Hang on a second. What? Why is the choice is an entertainment center or a pizza box? Don't question my life. <laughs> things were weird in that apartment. Things were weird. They had to MacGyver a lot of things. <laughs> the pizza box was the entertainment center. The pizza box was our art for a while. On another note, does anyone want kittens? I no, have one. You bought them. You're stuck <laughs> with them. Kidding. If I didn't have to pay $300 extra to my, uh, le- or, yeah, to my landlord in order to keep one in my apartment, maybe. Everyone gets their opinion, even if they suck. <laughs> Every, did you, what? Everybody gets their peenin? Yeah. Even if they suck. Yeah. You know, it's a tug and pull relationship. <laughs> <laughs>